Hey everyone, Michael here with just a super quick disclaimer. The audio for this session is a little bit weird for like five minutes and then it gets fixed. So just as we're doing our introduction of the game and our characters and such, it's just, it sounds off. Long story short, I need to explain it. For about four and a half minutes, the audio is weird. Then it gets better. So take four and a half minutes, add how long this introduction has been, and then the audio is great. So if you're interested in the Dune RPG, then suffer through roughly five minutes of audio, and then it gets better. Thanks, and on to the show. Yes, all right, hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for another episode of The Sample Adventures. This is the aptly named title, or aptly titled streaming show where we play through various RPGs using the sample adventure that is included in the game book, or in this case, a quick start, to explore and interact with the game rules and the world. Tonight, I will be playing Corbin Braylick, who is a re, uh, reformed spice smuggler. And of course, again, I'm Michael at the RPG Academy. I did that in the completely wrong order, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to go to Big Al next. Big Al, introduce yourself and your character, please. Well, hello, I'm Alan, Big Al, Nicholas, um, and I am playing Shara Fell, a mintat. Excellent. And then on my screen, we will go next round to Kevin. So yes, thank you so much. I'm Kevin. And I am playing Anna Margrave, who is a Bene Gesserit novice. Excellent. And then last but certainly not least, Kaylee. Hi, I'm Kaylee, and I'm playing Talia Carell. She's a criminal. Excellent. And then leading us through this adventure tonight is uh, Caleb, my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, say hello to everyone, introduce yourself, and then just sort of kick us off however you would normally run an adventure. Alrighty, howdy cats and kittens, the Caleb G here, pleasure to be in the lead narrator seat on tonight's Dune stream. We have been uh, trying to get this game put together for like a year, I think, and life sucks. So here we are. I am exceedingly glad to not only be playing this game, but playing it with this fine group of people. We, we've been really excited for this for a very long time, and Dune is just such a great series. So... We are going to play the pre-written starter adventure from the quick start guide called Worm Sign. Uh, there were a couple different starter adventures we could have picked, and I like this one best. So that's what we're doing. Uh, this adventure uh, is going to take place on Dune itself, the planet Arrakis. We are in the timeline here immediately before the Atreides are taking possession of Dune. Uh, the Emperor Shaddam IV has already handed control of Dune to the Atreides from the despicable Harkonnens. If you've watched that uh, fantastic new version of the Dune movie, we are right after uh, the Atreides took control with with the Herald of the Change, and uh, right before they land on the planet. So we're in this nice little sweet spot where Duke Leto of House Atreides has sent an advanced guard to Arrakis to start kicking out the Harkonnen rabble-rousers, start assessing the equipment they have left behind, start assessing the castles that they will be inhabiting, uh, Thufir Howitt, the Atreides 
Mentat is on Dune right now, leading efforts with some of his own personal troops and a, a vast array of different people from the Atreides household. Gurney Halleck, uh, Leto's uh, warrior troubadour, is not on planet, but he has sent some of his own men as well. So uh, there's a lot happening. Let's, uh, if we imagine the camera coming down from space and panning over Dune, this desert planet, the only place in the entire universe where spice can be found, spice being, of course, the most valuable substance in the universe, we're going to zoom down and we are going to start with, I think we'll start with Shara. Tell us a little bit about how you started working for Thufir. Well, I am Shara Fell, and I am a very, very newly minted mintat. I've just gotten out of the mintat school. So once I was, uh, once I got out of the mintat school, the um, Atreides um, purchased my services, which made me extremely happy because I was happy to work for such a noble house. Um, but then I started working under Thufir Hawat, which made me really scared because he's like legendary and being legendary. He is a legendary mentat. He has been in the game for generations. So he intimidates the heck out of me, but um, but I'm still excited to be here uh, on uh, Dune on the most important, on the most important planet in the galaxy working for this noble house. So... I think it's safe to say that probably Thufir has a couple interns. I don't know what we want to call them, but he specifically chose you to come to Dune with him on this advanced mission for the Atreides. Uh, so that's both intimidating and amazing. That's right. Uh, so you know a little bit about what's going on. Thufir has briefed you, and of course, with your mentat abilities, you're able to kind of think at that computer-like speed about what's happening, you know that you are being sent into the Viper's Den. You know that the Harkonnens have been holding Dune forever. You know that when the Emperor switched control, it was terribly contested. Uh, you know that the Harkonnens are likely uh, planning to attempt assassinations and sabotage at every twist and turn. That's right. So you also know that it's your job to uh, prevent all of that. And at the expense of my my nerdhood, I would say, to quote from a completely different franchise, it's a trap! <laughs> Definitely a trap. Everybody knows it's a trap. Cool. So you are working in probably one of the Atreides kind of forward bases. They haven't um, they have been scrubbing the Harkonnens' um, former residence, but you're probably staying in a little base off campus, so to speak, with some of the other soldiers. You're not working directly with Thufir. He's bouncing all around, so you've kind of got your own little uh, sphere of control here. Uh, the camera zooms in, zooms out from you and uh, it zooms actually into the 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 castle that the Atreides are going to live in, and 
it zooms in on Anna. So Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Anna is doing and how she ended up here on Dune? Absolutely. Currently, she is standing uh, very still as she is looking out onto the wide expanse of the service of Dune in preparation for the moments ahead. This, like any other moment, is a moment of control, and Anna takes this moment to self-reflect. Um, anybody else who would look at her would see her not moving, but she knows that there is a thousand things that blur through her mind as well as through her muscles that she controls in this moment. She came to this planet because she is actually one of the handmaidens of the Lady Jessica. So she has been sent here by the High Mother herself to make sure that the Lady Jessica is successful in her goals. And because of this, Anna has had a certain level of um, comfort in the house on uh, the Atreides actual homestead. And because of this, she actually is privy to some of Lady Jessica's secrets, but apparently not all, because there are rumors that there are things that are afoot. And she's trying to figure out what that is. Yes. So... Uh, you were part of the crew assigned to prepare for Lady Jessica's arrival. Lady Jessica being Duke Leto's consort. They are not officially married, um, but Leto has taken no bride from any of the other great houses. He remains single and uh, ready to mingle when it comes to uh, ruling authority in this universe. I'm Over the past few years, Leto has been rising in popularity. He is known throughout the universe uh, in great favor. People are attracted to his natural charisma, to his love of the people. People are loyal to him simply because of how magnanimous he is. And politically, since he has remained unwed, he is still a prime candidate for the political arranged marriage uh, spinning negotiation however we want to call that he, he's he's uh, he, he's a handsome target that a lot of people are after but you know he's he's got the hots for lady jessica so he's going to stick with her anna you are one of several other bene gesserit novices that have been sent here each with the same general orders and instructions from Lady Jessica, but you've each been given kind of some private orders as well. Mostly you are working with Thufir's men to make sure the house is completely free of booby traps, spies, poison dart shooters, uh, recording devices, all that kind of stuff. Um, your duties have mostly kept you inside However, several times you have ventured outside either in the city or out into the desert, although that is a little bit more rare. Um, you're not, uh, it's not foreign to you to go out of the castle on a more active mission, but you are mostly inside doing spycraft things. Of course. Um, the, the Bene Gesserits always operate on multiple levels simultaneously. Mm -hmm. uh, so your mind is always... Um, kind of thinking a little bit about what's going on. So the camera will zoom through the castle and the new Atreides domain, 
and come out through a window. We'll see that great cinematic shot of Dune. Um, I feel like the sun is coming up right at this moment. So we've got this wonderful shot of the sunrise, of that glare off of the desert. Uh, possibly there's something moving in the deep desert. You're not sure. It might just be a mountain. It might be a mirage. Or maybe it's a giant ass worm. You don't know. Uh, but then we will zoom down into the um, the landing fields, some of the equipment fields of the Atreides. And two figures are working on a thopter, the uh, kind of bug-like flying devices of the Dune universe. Um, one of them is an older gentleman. The other one is a younger figure. Let's talk to Corbin first. Um, Corbin, uh, Dune has some, some sad memories for you, doesn't it? It, it does. So, yeah, so I look like a, a pretty trim and well-kempt 50-year-old, you know, definitely salt and pepper and my longish hair is pulled back. You can't see that it's in the ponytail because of my hood covering, but uh, it's, you know, you can see that like the widow's peak pulled back and I've got some facial hair to match. Uh, I am a very wealthy or was a very wealthy smuggler. So when the Harkonnen were running Dune, I was running Spice a lot right along beside of them without their knowledge. <laughs> They probably know me, the, the Whispers of the Wind Whisperer was like my, my smuggling name. Unfortunately, they caught wind of what I was doing, and I sought refuge in House Atreides. And it's like the worst kept secret that I'm a former smuggler who's been brought into service. And it was all well and good until, hey, you get the planet back, and guess who knows the planet very well? This guy. So the Wind Whisperer has been returned to, uh, to was it, as. Arrakis again. I don't know Dune, uh, but yeah. So I'm I'm doing the most completely like not suspicious at all, keeping the hood up at all times uh, mo motif. Because if if any of these Harkonnen goons who are still running around get a good look at me, I may be murdered before this this uh, officially gets taken over. So I'm doing everything I can to keep my head down, not looking at anybody, not talking to anybody, just kind of getting the work done because I need them to leave before they know who I am. Gotcha. So I think you know Thufir very well. Thufir, that very old, intimidating tactician mentat in the employee of the Atreides family. You've heard his name whispered throughout the universe while you were a smuggler. He has a huge reputation of being the best of the best, deadly at spycraft. Uh, any of his agents are feared. He himself is a terror on the battlefield. Of course, he's rather old now, but he still is wise in his tactics. He is still deadly and vengeful. So uh, when he sent you a message to say, come to my office, it was a little scary, but he was basically quizzing you about the planet. So uh, multiple times he has asked you <laughs> sometimes really weird questions that make no sense to you whatsoever but you're like okay well he's a mentat so he's just doing his thing but no, yeah you are going to mentat yeah you are back on this planet uh, like it or not because do not like it do not like well it. when you're loyal to the atreides you do what the atreides say exactly yes I, i'm i'm loyal for now 
And uh, our, our last figure here, very near to Corbin with what he is working on, is uh, probably a, a younger, slimmer figure, Talia. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. Yeah, Talia's in her probably young 20s at this point. She has surprisingly pale skin for somebody who is a native to Arrakis and who has lived in Arakin, the capital city, for her entire life. She is sitting underneath the Thopter on the uh, anti-sunward side, using its shade to kind of keep cool. And she has a knife that she is very carefully sharpening, uh, the blade having a like a green glass, like, I don't know, green glass tube running up the middle that she very mm. carefully is avoiding with some sort of like purpose. Like a core. Yeah. And she's listening to Corbin as he just bitches about everything. Uh, the heat, oh, yes. uh, the dr the humidity, uh, it's, even though it's a dry heat, he's still it's bitching about the humidity. Heat. And the fact that he's got sand everywhere. And she's just making occasional, no like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, she is sporting a uh, rather impressive uh, bruise on one cheek from a scrap uh, the night before in the local bar and a little bit of a headache from the hangover that she got after the scrap in the local bar. But she's sitting there because she's worked a lot with Corbin since he's come back and because he's one of uh, he's one of her contacts that helps get things moved. Yeah, I'm very performatively complaining as if I've never been here before. Oh, uh, 100%. Right, yeah. It's yeah, it's so over the top. It's sand. It gets everywhere. I hate and it. Talia is just like uh -huh. it's so coarse. It, it's so cool. Yep, it is absolutely the worst. Even though she knows he's been here before, she's been with him before on this planet, and but you know what? She's been assigned to work with him now that he's uh, kind of a, uh, assigned to the uh, Atreides. And so, you know, she owes the uh, Atreides a bit of debt and not like monetary debt, but they gave her a purpose and kind of took her off the streets and, well, their goals align right now. They get a beautiful new planet to rule over now that they're kicking the Harkies out and she gets uh, possibly to rule the streets one day, you know, so everybody washes everybody else's back with, you know, some low grit sand. Uh, speaking of an assignment and a mission. Uh, now that we have seen, met our four characters, we will uh, jump forward in time momentarily a little bit later this same morning. And that thopter that was being prepared is now flying across the desert. And all four of you are inside. The sun glares off the thopter windshield as you crest over the immense stone wall that surrounds the city of Arakeen. Before you stretches an ocean of sand, a vast desert that covers the entire planet of Arrakis. While the cockpit is air-conditioned, you can see the shimmer of heat haze rising from the waves of dunes ahead of you, stretching beyond the horizon. You have set off today to investigate reports that a group of smice... Smice. Smice. Spice. 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 Disney owns dune now. Shit. Damn it. Spice smugglers might be operating in an area your house, the House Atreides, has contract to harvest spice. It is your job to find their base and, if possible, put a stop to their activities. However, spice smugglers can often have useful contacts, and occasionally the loss of a little spice 
can be worth a new ally. So the four of you are crammed into this thopter cockpit. And my first very important question of the game, who's piloting this ship? Who is flying this thing? (laughs) Uh, So... I guess mechanically, because we part of this is we also want to explain the rules of the game. Yes. What skill would or attribute would determine who's good at flying things? So in the Modiphius 2D20 system, characters have drives and skills, and we combine those when we are making skill checks. And it's a roll under system to determine if you are how how successful you are in effort. A skill that would apply, uh, the, and the, both the drives and the skills are very broad, and it, it's very narrative focused in how you choose to use them. So the skill that would most likely be used for piloting would be move. However, depending on events, probably any skill could be argued to be used for piloting. Um, move can also refer to how you are jumping over something or balancing or walking on the sand. Battle could be shooting somebody, punching somebody, outthinking somebody. Uh, it's kind of like that aggressive skill. It could even be used in negotiations, aggressive negotiations. Mm. Some might say occasionally. Uh, characters also have focuses connected to their skills. Focuses reflect more of a focused training. So if anyone has a focus about piloting or ships, that would indicate you have done it before. But frankly, you've all probably gotten some basic flight training in your careers. Um, Corbin, I would say as a smuggler, you've got prime piloting uh, yeah, I, experience. I was looking at that. If if no one else wants to, I can say that I'm flying. I think it kind of fits my character as well. But if someone has like piloting as a skill, feel free. Otherwise, I'll say that I'm doing it. No, I think that makes sense for you to do it. Uh, okay. Right now, Tally is in the seat behind Corbin with her legs stretched out and her boots are like up on the back of his headrest. So she is <laughs> she's conked out and not paying any attention. So she's definitely not going to fly. Okay. So uh, Corbin... As we are starting this scene, and as a note, this system, along with most other of the Modiphius 2D20 systems, kind of operates by scenes. So in our first scene, we are moving out of Arakeen into the desert, and I will indicate as we move through scenes here. So in this first scene, I would like you to make a move test to see how well you are piloting the ship. Okay. And so is that just against the move, or do I pick a drive to combine that with to roll under? Uh, this is an excellent first lesson here. When we are making a test or a skill check in this system, you pick a drive and a skill and add those numbers together. So a drive is much more of a philosophical, what is uh, what is love driving your... Baby, don't hurt. Don't no. hurt wait, wait, wait. We're on Twitch. Terms of service. Um, yeah. So this is your motivation. This is your philosophy. This is your mindset on the world. Um, really, there's no wrong answer here. If you look at your character sheet, uh, some of the drives do have statements 
uh, think of those kind of like aspects from fate, not that you are invoking them to do something, sure. but they may inspire your choice. All right. So looking at mine, I think my power, because my statement is that I can rely on myself and I'm kind of like the same way. I don't like for other people to drive. Like sure. if I'm in a car, I want to be the one driving. So sure. I kind of feel like I'm driving because I don't want you to. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So together that would be a 14 total. Okay. So I need to roll under that. Correct? Right. So you are going to start with two D20. Nice. Pick up two dice. The difficulty test here is a zero. Okay. So this means you cannot fail the test. You can't, you're not going to crash the shit. Challenge accepted. <laughs> no. If you somehow get please <laughs> negatives. No. Um, so you're not going to fail, but you are, this is really a test to see how well you're doing. Uh, in the 2D20 system, successes over the target number grant you momentum. And momentum is a resource that the entire party can spend to buy additional dice, buy off negative situations, add positive situations, that kind of thing. Right okay. now, the momentum pool is at zero. Okay. I have a threat pool currently at eight hmm. because I start with threat for all of you. Mm -hmm. And then you can choose to add to the threat pool if you don't have enough momentum to add a die. It's a, it's a give and take. It's an ebb and okay. flow. So you've got two dice in front of you right now. If you would like to buy more, since there's no momentum, you would add to the threat, giving me more resources to potentially mm -hmm. use against you. Okay. So you know how I said challenge accepted? Yeah. All right. Uh, I shit you not, I rolled two natural 20s on my two d <laughs> Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah. That okay. happened. Cool. Well, that was uh, that was the game for tonight, folks. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. Thanks for yeah. listening Thanks to for Sample Adventures. We'll see you next time. No, <laughs> fastest so when you... TPK time in history. Wow, wow. So in this system, when you roll a twenty, since this is a roll under system, a one is a critical success, mm -hmm. and a twenty. I'm not going to use the word failure, but it adds complications. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say what has happened here is your thopter develops a malfunction. All right. So you're all flying here, and suddenly warning lights start flashing on the dashboard, and some alarms start going off. I'm going to, like, bump Talia's foot off the back of my chair. Did you not hook up the converters? Of course I hooked up the converters. We couldn't get off the ground if I didn't hook up the converters. Well, then they came loose because look at my dashboard. It, they're inverted. They are not in calculations. First, there's a 79% chance that this is in fact. Never tell me the odds. You know, I have the feeling that this is some sort of trap. I was perfectly happy being asleep. And now here we are just flying. Are we falling out of the sky? I'm sorry that our imminent death is inconveniencing your nap time, but I could use some help. What do you want me to do? Applaud? Fix it. Oh, sure. I'm just, I'll whip out this mechanic out of my pocket. Oh, here it is. Can I uh, attempt a, uh, I wish to attempt the uh, tech support's final option and whack the dashboard to try and get it to work long enough for us to get to where we're going. Turn it off and turn it back on. No, I'm not going to do that. We're flying. Are you insane? <laughs> Currently, we're not. Currently, we're falling with style. We don't have a whole lot of time. I'm going to use percussive maintenance. All right. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Uh, this, this feels like a battle to keep us alive, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, what drive do you think might go with that? Oh, power, because I'm I'm laying into this thing. Okay. So add together your power and your battle. Okay. So I need to roll under a four under a fifteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as long as one of the dice do, I'm okay. So I'm also going to call this a difficulty zero. Okay. So yes, any successes will help you. Okay. I rolled an eight and a 16, so I have one success. Perfect. So as Talia kind of shoves her way to the control board, smacks a couple things around, reconnects some wires, uh, you're probably fiddling around under the panel, you are able to stabilize the thopter so that you are not crashing, but you must land immediately. Oh, we're definitely going to land. Thopters are very much like big giant mechanical dragonflies. So you are able, uh, a combined effort between the both of you to essentially lock the wings into a stable position and use them to glide down. Thankfully, there is no sandstorm right now. There's no sandstorm on the horizon unless the winds sweep one up out of nowhere. But the thopter is uh, thoroughly toasted as you collide into the sand of dune and probably skid a couple hundred yards yeah. <laughs> and spin a little bit. The thopter thunks to a halt on a rock and uh, you've all landed. I blame the Harkonnen. I seal my still suit right away. Uh, speaking of still suits, you are all equipped with non Fremen made still suits. So they're fine. They're commercially made, so to speak, but they're not they're not the good ones. But they'll take care of you. Mine says Acme. It, that's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. If anyone is unaware what a still suit is, a still suit is a fantastic piece of technology. It is a total body suit that allows you to uh, reclaim all of your body's moisture here in this uh, desert planet. So none of it escapes and you are able to uh, recycle all of your waste products during the day and uh, stay alive. And the water tastes fine, even though it's kind of warm and brackish. But that's why people on Dune kind of stink. Mm-hmm. But that's why we have spice, which smells real good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume loudly that this is some sort of Harkonnen sabotage act. They're just trying to, like, screw us over, even though it's probably my fault. Uh, and then I'm going to start seeing if I can fix the ship. And you said we're on a rock, right? Uh, you've Yeah, you collided, like, into a rock. So Anna is going to slowly stand, open the side door, and step out into the the sand, looking around to see how much damage we have taken. Uh, so the first thing that hits you is just a wall of heat and light. <laughs> no matter how many times you, you uh, leave Arakeen, the desert always... It's just oppressive. You probably grew up, I don't think you grew up on Caladan, but you probably came to Caladan, which is the Atreides home planet, at a young age to work with Lady Jessica. That planet is lush. That planet is temperate. It is water. It is gorgeous forests. It is not, it is, it's mild and temperate. There's no hot jungles. There's no really hot summers. The people you work with now don't understand the concept of a river, let alone an ocean. Hmm. If you tell someone, oh, yeah, we would go to the ocean in my youth in the summers. What is an ocean? And you would say, it's we're just tons of water. What the hell do you mean? Right. Like they cannot mentally comprehend 
where you grew up, the, the memories you have, the experiences you have. Um, and every time you enter the desert, the heat and the light that just kind of brings that memory to mind that you're in a, on a planet so foreign where their mindset 100% of the time is survival. There is no relaxing at home. There is no comfort. There is, how do I get through this day? Right. Committed to that 100%. So you look around, you've seen worse crashes. None of you were injured. Um, the craft itself is still sound. None of the windows were broken. The landing struts are jacked up real bad. Um, the wings were locked in position to glide down. That's going to be real hard to fix without, you know, a full overhaul in the garage bay. It would be a miracle to get it off the ground at this point. So I take a quick look around. Luckily, I have my veil upon my face, so that keeps any sand from entering into my my nostrils or my mouth. I'm going to slowly turn. I'm going to duck back into the inside of the thopter. Luckily, we did not spring a leak or have any sort of damage to the gas line, so therefore we have no danger of explosions. Is there anything I can do to be of aid? So at this point, I would assume if we can't repair it without like assistance, is this a call for help situation? Do we need to like go wandering into the desert looking for help, or is this like a call the cavalry and have someone come pick us up? So uh, you would you know that going into the desert is a bad idea. You know that outside of the city walls, that is Fremen territory. Um, you know that the 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 Fremen are deadly. The desert is deadly. You know there's no hope to be found. Uh, you can radio back to the Atreides base and ask for help. Um, but you also know that you were sent out here on a mission. And even though the ship has crashed, you could still try to complete the mission while you wait. Well, um, so I, at least it makes sense to me to go ahead and call for like a pickup. Sure. But like we can assume that it's going to take them a while to get here so we can continue the admission, but we're not going to wait till we're done before we call for help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can radio back and you use, you know, Atreides battle language codes to indicate your position. So any Harkonnen spies wouldn't know where you are immediately. But something comes to mind uh, specifically very quickly to so something comes to mind very quickly to Sara. You are in the open desert. What else is in the open desert? The worms. And you just had a big old collision onto the sand. Yeah, Shara is going to uh, recommend to everybody that we get out of the uh, thopter and onto this rock uh, as soon as possible. So we're between a rock and a hot place? Yeah, we're, we, we have most certainly called a worm it's almost impossible that this kind of wreck would not attract one uh the amount of um reverberations from hitting the sand multiple times and skidding and slamming into this rock um there's a worm coming so we need to get out of this thopter and onto the rock i will listen to the smart person which is obviously not me so yes <laughs> we will get on the rock Grab my uh, grab my pack of gear and head out and get to the nearest rock. 
and I will cautiously, slowly follow them onto the rock as well. Everybody will see, everybody being the audience will see now that I am considerably uh, shorter than everyone else. I'm very petite. I look like I am just over five feet tall, very thin and lively built. Um, You can maybe even mistake me for a child or a preteen maybe, Uh, but I have a veil on, so you can't exactly see my face to see what age I might be. Uh, so you all exit the Thopter. You have your personal equipment with you. Um, you also have some basic uh, survival equipment that the Thopter was packed with that you can easily carry with you. And I would like, um, I would like everyone to make a discipline test. So this is going to be a difficulty two meaning you need at least two successes to pass this test. This is a test to observe your environment and make some determinations about the next steps and your mission overall. Is this two between all of us or two each of us? So we have a couple options of what we could do. You could each make this test separately or... Uh, One of the rules we could take advantage of is a combined test where one of you is essentially the lead character and the other folks roll to assist. Let's do that. I like that because I'm pretty sure we have a very disciplined mind here in the group. (laughs) Yeah, my discipline is top notch, baby. All right. So I'm going to take a stab here and say that Shara is probably our lead roller. Yeah, we got this. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Everyone else, you are still going to make a discipline test. So pick one of your drives to add to your discipline. You are going to roll one D20 and try to roll under that sum. So Al, before you make Shara's roll, let's go around the horn here. Um, Michael. Success. I got a three that time. Nice. Under 10. Actually, I, that may give us uh, an interesting new part of the rule here. Let's look at your character sheet real quick because one of the things with these systems, characters uh, also have focuses. And if a focus, which is kind of like uh, skill training, uh, specifically applies and you roll under that number, it's two successes. So uh, Corbin has two focuses that I think could very easily apply here, uh, but I think smuggling is going to be the most sense because part of smuggling is surviving, observing, situational awareness. I'll allow it. Good. We've got <laughs> two successes right now. Uh, Kevin. Well, I am curious because my character, one of her talents is that she has pranabindu conditioning which Mm -hmm. is whenever she does a discipline test that could rely on the control of her body, she can re-roll if there's a, uh, she can re-roll a single D20. Yes. So could I potentially do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I needed to roll below a 12 and I rolled an 18. So here I am Mm re-rolling and getting an 11. So that was well used, I suppose. All right. So yeah, Pranabindu conditioning is basically that, special Bene Gesserit body control training. Mm -hmm. So I would say in this moment, you're probably still a little off kilter from the crash. Of course, yes. But 
the Bene Gesserits are perfect body control. So you recognize that with the inner eye, reset yourself and look again, <laughs> reassess your situation. So we've got uh, three bonus successes here coming into it. Uh, Kaylee, what can Talia do for us? Can I screw it up at this point? I mean, that seems to be our pattern. I mean, uh, uh, if you roll a 20, yeah, here we go. Uh, so my discipline is a five and, uh, well, I'm letting the, uh, the, uh, hyper aware people take points. So that requires a little bit of faith, even though that's not really my strong suit. Mm. So that's going to be a total of 12. I have to roll under and that is an 11. So very close, but All I right. let, I, I, I put my faith in my companion here. Well, Shara, you've got four bonus successes coming into this check. No, no pressure then, right? Yeah. So my discipline is, is like I said, top notch. It's a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a focus in it uh, of command, which mm-hmm. probably applies. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm, I'm really kind of debating on my drive though. There's i uh, I'm trying to figure out if I've become uh, too convinced that there's, sabotage everywhere mm. and i think i probably have which would yes. throw me into the justice uh, yeah drive. so that's an eight so i've got to get below a 15 mm-hmm. and you got two d20s to roll and i've got one eleven and one seventeen, so one success perfect so you have five successes with the help of your team here go team and um so this was a uh uh, di- a difficulty two. So that gives you three net successes on top of that. Those are going to go into your momentum pool. You had one in there from when Corbin was piloting. So as a group, you now have four momentum, which on anyone's turn, that is a resource to be used uh, to buy extra dice or, or give you benefits. So the four of you work together. I think some of you probably break out Oh, I forget what they're called. Fancy space binoculars. You take some readings, you compare some visuals. Uh, no, that's 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 not a thing. That's a different thing. And you you debate back and forth a little bit, but you figure out where you are. You That's no dune. It's a space station. It's a <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as it's not a worm. Right. Yeah. So you you know that you are on Caleb. Huh? I hate to be a spoil sport, but I'm looking at the, uh, and it notes that on assistance rolls, momentum cannot increase. Oh, biscuits. Okay. I was wrong. Never mind. Well, that's a bummer. I mean, I want us to be badass. Uh, but, but like, thank you for telling me. People know what the rolls are. And I, I remembered you could not spend momentum for, an assist role, but I I must have missed that part when I was reading. Thank you, Al. What? Thank you for uh, yeah yeah Al. Thanks. Office. Thank you, Al. Al. <laughs> we get one f bomb, and I might be using it against you, my friend. I wish Michael was here. The other Michael was here because then we'd try it in multi-part harmony. <laughs> well, I want everybody to remember that there's an old Benny Gesserit saying, which is when the sandworm thing shows up, we don't have to be faster than it. We have to be faster than Al's character. Okay. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good point. And those hamstrings are very obvious to anyone yes. with a knife. 
that's as the prophecy before. Yes, yes. <laughs> foretold. Yeah, foretold. That's God, words. Words are <laughs> English hard. is a hard language. <laughs> English is hard. Rules are hard. But here we are having fun, so we're doing it. That's right. it. I'm, Never mind. Whoa, we got a catchphrase. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> right on, boys. So, right on time. Uh, take a drink. Okay. We'll move on. So you are right. on a smallish rocky outcropping. It's not like an island of rocks. There's others around you, but you are in the desert. Uh, the city is not nearby. Uh, there are kind of lines of rocks all around you. Uh, there's just different outcroppings you could get to. But what you also see is that there is a group of tents uh, a little ways off. Uh, there is a larger outcropping that at its base you can see, not its base, but kind of halfway up you can see an entrance to a cave. And on top of this outcropping, you can see the domes of tents. And you recognize them as survival tents that are typically used in the deep desert. 